as long as we stay curious, the sky's the limit for how you scale this culture. Because doing remote with 50 people is different than 500, right. different than 1,500. Totally. And so like, we've got to stay humble. We've got to stay curious. Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where founders and business leaders talk about how they built a company culture that is so incredible, their employees brag about it. Our show aims to inspire you as you build a Bragworthy culture of your own. Culture building is philosophical and practical, and you'll find both discussed here. Grab a pen and a notebook. We're about to drop some knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us. Here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is your host, Jordan Peace. Today, we are fortunate to be with Brandon Samut, who is the Chief People Officer at Zapier. If you don't know what Zapier is, get out from under the rock that you're under. But Zapier is on a mission to make automation incredibly easy and accessible to everyone at work. So what Zapier is, is the only no-code automation solution. They make it super easy to automate workflows and move data across something like 4,000 apps or more at this point. And obviously, automation is essential and now achievable through Zapier. So I wanted to throw that commercial out there because that is Zapier is something that we use a lot at Fringe. I'm a big fan. But Brandon, I'm looking forward to getting to know you. And thank you so much for being here. Hey, likewise, Jordan. Awesome. I guess what I'd love to hear first is just a, a little bit more about Zapier, how the company has kind of been a pioneer, both in its missional direction of being this integration software, but also maybe even more relevantly to our podcast, how have you guys been a pioneer in terms of the remote workplace? Because from what I've read, you guys have been remote all along, correct? That's right. 10 years and counting. Wow. That's awesome. Tell us about that. I'd love to hear what that was like building a remote culture right from the very beginning, way before it was cool, way before everybody was doing that. And then I'm sure there's a lot of lessons to be learned. And I'm sure you've had some other folks in your role from other organizations reach out to you and go, hey, you guys have been doing this a long time. Help me. I don't know what we're doing. But yeah, I would love to hear more about that, Brandon. Absolutely. Well, you know, to understand Zapier's talent and culture model, and particularly this 100% remote model, we'll actually, we'll start back in the early days. We'll actually start with Zapier's mission and product, because I think the mission and product and the way we think about talent and working together, it, it kind of hangs off of some core ideas. So if you dial all the way back to 2011, you've got, you know, the three co-founders who are still running the company with our leadership team today, Wade, Mike, and Brian, and they're in college together. And they come up with the idea for Zapier while they are in school. When they graduate, after having worked on it for a while, they come out to the Bay Area and they do Y Combinator, one of the kind of classic startup accelerator programs. During that time, they think about the mission of Zapier. And it's interesting, 10 years later, the mission of Zapier, some of the words have changed. We've come a little bit tighter in how we talk about it. But the mission to make automation work for everyone was there at the very beginning. And the core idea was to take a powerful technology, which traditionally is either way too expensive or way too hard to use for ordinary people and businesses, and actually make it accessible in terms of both cost and usability. That was the core idea. It's still the core idea today. 
And so right in the DNA of Zapier's mission and product, you have some of these ideas around access and inclusion. Right. And, and also this idea that folks from all backgrounds, all over the world, all different industries, different levels of technical background or lack thereof, you know, this notion that like people are capable of amazing things. And importantly, there are, even with all the technological advances we have seen, there's still a pretty broad swath of things that people do best. And how could we, by automating things, enable people to do more of the things that, you know, breathe life into people, the things that people do best, the relationship work, the creative work, the in-person care and service work that is not only uniquely well done by people, but for a lot of folks, like gives us a lot of energy, gives us a lot of purpose. So you, you think about some of those core ideas embedded in the mission, the product, access, inclusion, purpose. And then you think about talent strategy. And Wade, Mike and Brian, they went to school in the US Midwest in Missouri, a place where like I grew up in Michigan, you know, not right. too far away, a place that a lot of tech companies kind of fly right over. Right. You usually don't recruit talent directly out of that part of the US, at least traditionally. And even if you do, the next thing you ask folks to do when they sign the offer letter is pick up and move to the Bay Area or New York or wherever, right? Totally. But you had to make a choice between your career and your community, typically. Mm. And I don't want to speak too much for Wade, Mike, and Brian, but I infer that they saw that dynamic and they wanted to do it differently. I infer that based on the mission of Zapier, you know, they thought brilliance is everywhere and we want our company to have the ability to reflect that. And so from the very early days, all the way back in 2011, Zapier has been 100% remote. And like you said earlier, Jordan, that was at a time when a 100% remote company, it was actually more than just unconventional. Right. It was unwise, right? It was unwise. It was a like bad idea. Like, don't do that. Yeah. And they did it anyway. And I really admired the conviction. It's hard enough to do something like this when it's popular. Mm-hmm. You just imagine the conviction you have to have to do it when it's um, considered not smart. But here we are 10 years later. Yeah. I was just sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, as a founder, you have to have an immense amount of conviction in your idea to begin with. I mean, it takes so much conviction just to say, hey, the world needs this thing that we're creating. That is exhausting to sell that to the world, to the market, to the VCs, etc. And then on top of that, these guys go, hey, we're going to do work completely differently than anyone else is doing it while you tell us that it's unwise. It's just remarkable that that's the pace of change in the world now. It takes 10 years for something to be unwise, to be, and now completely obvious and everyone is on board with it, right? It's hilarious that how that yeah. transition takes place. Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting to think about today, 10 years later, Zapier has gone from three founders who are still here today. We have uh, just around 600 people. And because of that 100% remote model and this notion that, you know, brilliance is everywhere. So let's be worthy of attracting talent from all over the world because it's going to make us better. Those 600 people live in 39 countries and we're better for it. It's just remarkable. It's one of the reasons why I got really excited about coming to Zapier and working with this team on talent and culture. Right. Just can't think of another company of this size. You know, we are not the biggest company in the world that is so well represented globally. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, I love what you just said. I wasn't planning on pointing this out, but that phrase just jumped out at me, which was, let's be worthy of attracting talent. Like, I love how genuine that is, right? Because I think when a lot of companies think about attracting talent, it's a sales pitch. It's a marketing scheme. It's a, let's figure out a way to engineer an employer brand 
that will attract others to us and the lack of understanding that you can't actually do that. An employer brand is based on what who you actually are because it's what people say about you. It's not something that you can just engineer. So I love that. Let's be worthy of attracting talent. That is about focusing on the company and its culture and genuinely wanting to do things the right way and letting that be attractive. That's beautifully put. So you spent 10 years doing this. I'm sure you guys have learned a whole lot of lessons. Tell me a little bit about the transition from, hey, we're recruiting people from a location and saying, hey, you can work from home, you can work from anywhere. And that was abnormal. That sounds great, but also weird. I don't know what to do. Should I set up an office at home? Like, I'm sure people had a lot more questions five and 10 years ago than they do now, you know, where they're like, oh, yeah, work from anywhere. I get it. You know, this is familiar all of a sudden. Tell me about how you guys have changed and had to ideate and update those ideas around attracting talent 10 years ago versus the last two years. Yeah, of course. It's a good question, Jordan. You know, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes folks ask, is Zapier still competitive on this particular note? Zapier, until very recently, was one of the only tech companies where you could work remote kind of period. And today, that's not true. There are many tech companies where you are allowed to work remote as an individual, where remote is, is certainly tolerated in some cases. Right. But you know what's true? Even after all of that conversation and all of that corporate soul-searching, there are still only a handful of 100% remote tech companies of any reasonable size. So this model, right, where everyone logs in on the same playing field every day, where you don't have to worry about the you know, in-person lunch or hallway conversation you may have missed because you were working from home that day or because you were from home, period, not in the HQ, I think that's still really distinctive. Mm-hmm. And starting to see some signal that folks are starting to really appreciate the difference between being allowed to work remote as a person and working at a 100% remote Mm. company. Mm -hmm. I also empathize, right? You know, Zapier is very fortunate. We don't forget that we're fortunate that we started this way. And it's once you start this way, there are all kinds of things you have to still figure out. We're always figuring out what's the next challenge with this model, you know, because the ways you implement a 100% remote model at 50 people looks different than 500, looks different than when we're at 1500 over the next few years. And so this learner's posture, like the same posture you want to apply to how you listen and learn from your customers or your prospective customers. Like we got to do that same thing internally to make sure that this model stays sharp and relevant and delivers the benefits that we intend for it to have. I got a lot of empathy for most companies, right? If you started in a largely office-based model or even in a hybrid model, like this is challenging. I came from a company before Zapier that was in that model. That's more typical. right? And that's one of the reasons why I have so much empathy for that because designing and maintaining hybrid models of work where some people are in the office some people are from home sometimes and some people are at home maybe all the time. I think that's actually massively more difficult yes. than a pure play, pure play remote or pure play office. But the truth of the matter is there are very few pure play, like singular office models in tech at any size. Because even if even in a world where, say, you're a company of a thousand people right. and say 100 percent of those people work in offices. But in most cases, if you got to a thousand people, you have multiple offices. Mm-hmm. And so you may not be remote, but you are distributed. Right. No model is more difficult than the blended model where some are at home and some are in the office, at least in my mind. Yeah, no, it's incredibly difficult. So one of the things that I noticed just from your website was this idea of a delocation package. And I'd imagine that that comes from 
a time where people are coming from on location to moving, quote, off location because they're coming to work for you, right? That I'd imagine perhaps that's less relevant now because the folks that are coming in, they're not necessarily void of a home office or some sort of setup like that anymore. So what's kind of the new thing, you know, for Zapier in terms of programs and ways in which you're trying to support people moving in and through your organization? Yeah, the delocation package is a great example of this learning loop, Jordan, because in all humility, I'm not sure we're going to keep it. Right. I'm not sure we're going to keep it for the reason that you mentioned. It was incredibly on point and relevant in the pre-pandemic world for folks who were kind of already thinking about moving outside of the Bay Area after joining Zapier. It removes some of that friction. And then for the business, we got really talented people out of an unusually hot market where a lot of hiring was still being done. Bay Area tech companies still hiring a lot of people in the Bay Area. So it kind of repositioned some brilliant folks in a place they wanted to be anyway. We removed some friction to help them get there. But then also you start, you change your LinkedIn location in those days and you stop getting certain offers or invitations to interview at certain companies. And so there was a benefit to Zapier too. It was also good for our people. Today, the landscape's really different. And a lot of these Bay Area tech companies are actively hiring folks from a variety of locations. And so the kind of reason for being for that delocation program may be fading. And so it's like just one great example of how pay attention. And this is true with external products too. The great, great product leaders that I follow, they talk as much about how do you know when to retire a product or a product line as how you know when to spin one up. It's that kind of pruning of your offerings that becomes super strategic. So good example there. And then to your second question, Jordan, around, well, okay, what's on the horizon? What's kind of something that's in development today at Zapier on talent and culture? And for that, we talk about something we actually just shipped internally two weeks ago, and we're going to publish more information about it in the weeks to come. And it's effectively a program whereby Zapier will help our people find their next job, whether it's at Zapier or somewhere else. That's awesome. Like a lot of companies, you know, Zapier has worked to help people find growth and opportunity within the company for a while. But with this program, we're creating like clear pathways for that. But we're also creating a clear pathway where someone at Zapier can actually work with a member of our recruiting team to figure out whether this is still the right place for them. And if it's the right time for them to try something else, we actually help them figure that out. We can recommend specific companies or roles and get coaching on their resume or interviews. We can do mock interviews you name it. And the idea there is, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about this notion of Zapier being worthy. When we're at our best and we're worthy of our people being at Zapier for as long as it's right for them, we're doing everything within our influence to be the right place. And if we are doing that, and despite all of that, you know, it's the right thing for someone to go somewhere else, we should thank them for the time they spent here and do what we reasonably can to help them find a great next job. Full stop. And so it's one of those things where like in the conventional way of thinking, it's like, well, why would you do that? You're actually removing friction for folks leaving. But the truth is like if we're doing all the right stuff that's within our control and someone's still going to leave, it's probably the right thing. And why would we try to twist someone's arm to stay? Now, on the flip side, we're also paying attention and listening and learning about the things that are within our influence where someone would leave and it's actually regrettable, right? We're like, oh gosh, if we had thought about that differently or if we had communicated that better, or if we had had that growth conversation earlier, it might have actually influenced or changed that person's point of view about whether Zapier could be right for them yeah. for another tour of duty. So we're not perfect on that. So we're still working on all of that. But in addition, this program feels absolutely right to show up for our people. Our, our people contribute so much to us. And this is another way we can do that for them. Yeah, I love it. I, it's, again, such an authentic acknowledgement of what's best for people. 
and not presuming that staying with your company till the end of time is what's best, right? And so not only are you honoring, I think, their journey and their own wisdom as to what's best for them, but you're also creating advocates out there in the world that, you know, were employees and left really well, you know, were helped to leave and helped to continue along their journey and will speak really well of Zapier, you know, for years and years. And if you bring partnerships and tell other folks to go and apply, you know, and so forth. So it's a strategic move, but it's also just a very, one that's just very honoring of the human journey and just very, I don't know, it shows a lot of genuine care for your people, your Zappians as you guys put it, <laughs> which I love. I love that. So maybe a little bit of an obvious question. So forgive me, but you guys have built a remote culture for 10 years. There hasn't really been, I would imagine, like that culture shock that everyone else has experienced of, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? The hybrid model, we're freaking out. So I would imagine if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm in a position similar to yours, I'm thinking, man, this guy has a lot to teach about how to build culture remotely. And since you also have been in a fully officed environment prior, you get the contrast as well. So again, I get that it's still unique to be fully remote. And I get that your advice may not be perfectly applicable to the hybrid model. But in your context, what are the special ways in which you've had to go about building culture, knowing that there are no water cooler conversations that are happening organically? Here's what I would say on this. I, I think there are challenges to creating belonging and building culture in an all remote environment. Mm. But as you figure it out, I actually think where you land is stronger and more inclusive. Because you know some of the worlds I've operated in the past, culture is being created in some people may feel deep bonds and deep affiliations with people and with the company. Maybe it's because they're in the headquarters or they, they get to see the CEO, they get to see her in the hallway, you know, every day or something like that. And right. they get to sit at the lunch table with, you know, with their leader's leader. And so for that individual, like that's really powerful, fairly organic. But if you talk to most companies of any reasonable size, like you also hear stories of folks who feel unaffiliated or detached from that. Maybe it's because they work from home or maybe it's because they're on a team that's going through a lot of change or maybe it's because they just sit on the wrong side of the office <laughs> or there's less foot traffic or you know whatever the case may be. And so I think there's some initial hurdles to go over when you're remote because less of that just organic stuff happens, to put it really simply. But as you figure it out, you're typically solving for the whole company at that point. And the things you do to figure out culture and connection and belonging for all remote company typically work for the whole company, right? Or, or have the potential right. to work for the whole company in a way that kind of the, the more accidental or organic modes don't always deliver. So there's more, more upfront work and challenge, but the output, I think, can work for more and more people. Specifically, if I could point to one specific practice at Zapier that even having studied it and read about it before I joined the company has really stuck with me seeing it in practice is transparency. Mm. It's transparency. In fact, it's so core to how Zapier and Zapier culture works, that it's one of the five Zapier values default to transparency is how we call it. And I think this is part of the model, especially for 100% remote. You know, you have folks logging in, not just from 39 different countries, but many places within each country. And it's not only different locations, it's different time zones. Mm -hmm. The Zapier as a company is not awake at any specific, you can pick any any day on your local clock. You can't, like, there is a portion of the company that is not online. And on top of that, 
all leadership teams know that having access to information and context is part of how people understand how they develop focus and purpose in their job. Right. It's part of how you develop a sense of belonging with your team. It's also practically speaking, like how you figure out how to be great at your job, which is really important to folks, understandably. So for all of these reasons, like transparency, this is where so much of the action is. If you give people access to the context and the relationships and the histories of how the place works and what have you, and you do that in a way that can be pulled down in different modes based on how people learn, different time zones based on where people live, and so on. That's a rare and special thing. And you know, wherever we can at Zappy, we're also thinking about how to automate that naturally. Yeah, right. Naturally. <laughs> Given our mission. That's kind of what you guys do. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of our thing. You know, it's so interesting after all of these years, like, you know, when I sit down and talk with, with teammates, there are still, there's so many green fields ahead. We may be 10 years into 100% remote work, but it still feels like early days for us. And I think as long as we stay curious, the sky's the limit for how you scale this culture. Because like we talked about earlier, doing remote with 50 people is different than 500, right. different than 1,500. Totally. And so like, we've got to stay humble. We've got to stay curious. And the fact that more and more organizations are thinking about this, we feel like we have this like a whole new community yeah. that we get to tap into now and learn from. That's true. Or teach. Because <laughs> I'd imagine you guys have, a, you know, you don't have all the answers and you need to stay curious and humble, obviously. But you got a lot more answers, I would guess, than most, just given all the experience you've had over the years. So I'm sure there are folks that are going to reach out to you after hearing this and go, teach me how to do this. Because it's not easy. And you mentioned having empathy for those folks, but it's really not easy to go from an office environment to remote or blended or anything else. I have so many questions I want to ask you. We might have to reconvene at some point and have another episode. But for the moment, just to kind of wrap us up, our listenership is a lot of folks either at your level or below, but typically in their people, people in the people strategy world, in the HR space and the, whatever you want to call it. I prefer the people strategy titles. But I think one thing that's been talked about a lot lately, and I saw Josh Burson come out with a big article about this is employer brand. And this notion that, and we, we touched on it a little bit already, but there's the consumer brand, right? The, how do we look and sound and feel to our consumer, our buyer? Then there's the employer brand. That's what do people think it might be like to work here based on what our people say about us, both present and past employees. So in building up that employer brand, if I'm a young company, how do I think about doing that so that I can be prepared to scale? So that when that big check comes in, and we're going to go from 50 people to 150 people, I can attract who I want to attract and be able to move, right, without this giant hindrance to the company of kind of fighting for interviews. Well, you know, the topic of talent brand, like a lot of things, like the question, the first question you ask kind of informs everything that happens after that point. And it kind of, it, it's how you create your focus. And so the, the question ends up being, pretty deterministic. And it's really natural in talent branding efforts to ask, start by asking like, what should we say? What do we want to convey? What do we want to say to our audiences, whether it's prospective candidates, most often in this case? There's a different spin on that question that I think is maybe even more well-pointed in, in a useful direction, which is it's less what should we say and more what should we show? What should we show gets us thinking about like what's already going on here. That's so it's less the work of like coming up with stuff and more the work of like how do we externalize the things that are already true, right? 
in a way that's uh, like accessible and engaging for this audience, mm. right? So like, what should we show? Great thing about that is that if you ask that question, you end up, your talent brand ends up being like so, so much more naturally and strongly attached to your mission. Yes. And so much more strongly aligned with like what is actually going on at the company. Hmm. Because no company is perfect and no company is right for everybody. And so, you know, just, just like great customer facing brands, great employer brands are distinctive. They help people decide hmm. whether it's right for me. Yeah. I can't think of a company on the planet that's hiring so much that they have to be the right thing for not just not even everyone, but even most anyone of a particular skill type or profile. We need to help people decide, which, by the way, has all kinds of other benefits, right? Like if you do a great job within talent branding because you're showing, not telling, and you just show, you just, you know, this is who we are, this is what we're about, then the people who apply to your company, right? And by the way, if you're conveying that effectively so that people are engaging with that content before they apply, right? Like think of the power in that. Like how does that change the kind of just like, like moment zero degree of alignment that you have with your candidates? And how does that enable, you know, how does that grow the kind of effectiveness of your, of your hiring? It's also pre-onboarding, by the way, like right. great talent branding. It's great for self-selection for candidates. It like refines your funnel. It's a great for selection, but it also is, is a form of pre-onboarding as well mm. when it's done really well. Zapier makes no claims to be doing it at that level, right. but that is our point of view on how we are going to go about the next phase of our talent branding work. I love it. Yeah, you really crystallized something in my mind. I always say you can't fake your employer brand or your talent brand. Like you can't fake it. It just is what it is. But I guess in theory, you could fake it. You could come up with the, what should we say answer and you could market yourself to people. But then when they get in and they, then they see what you actually are. If it doesn't match up to what you said, because you said instead of showed, then there's this, first of all, it's disingenuous. But second of all, there's this misalignment and this, potentially mistrust that builds immediately. Like, hey, this isn't the place that I was told it was because I was sold instead of shown. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's not only more genuine to do it that way, but it's also you're going to keep your people longer. You're going to have people aligned with your mission organically. You're going to hire who you actually want as opposed to someone that just maybe has the resume, but they aren't actually a good cultural fit because they didn't know what your culture was <laughs> because you marketed to them. So I, I think that's awesome. So show instead of tell, what should we show? So just trying to summarize that for our listeners. Brandon, I wish we had like two more hours. I'm really enjoying this. And I might, if it's okay, I may ask you to come back and talk to me some more, or maybe even just talk to me offline and I could get some tips personally, but really enjoyed it. Any final thoughts, anything that you had wished that I had asked you that I failed to ask you today? You know, the parting thought would be this, you know, for my fellow people, people out there, it's just, there's a talent renaissance going on right now. It's also really challenging, like a lot of renaissance, a lot of growth, a lot of change, a lot of uncertainty. And so I just, again, like tons of empathy and respect for everyone doing this work, organizations of all types and sizes, and be gentle with yourselves. Uh, There's a ton of opportunity on the other side of this if we take care of ourselves and and stick in it for the long run. That's great. End it with empathy. Brandon, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I really enjoyed listening to you and just, I really appreciate your time. It was a pleasure, Jordan. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the Bragworthy Culture. We will catch you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us.